picture this. It's 2.30 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. You've just taken a cross-country flight with your family. You arrive to your palatial estate. Okay, <laughs> it's just a neighborhood. Uh, and uh, the day before you left, you had your air conditioner repaired. Uh, so much so that we talked about it on this very program. We, we guessed what it would cost. And it actually ended up costing less than $500 to repair, which is a gift from the Lord. It was amazing. I talked about it all weekend long with my loved ones out in California. And then upon arriving home at 2.30 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, you walk into a, a swamp of heat. It is 86 degrees in your home at 2.30 in the morning. And your beloved of 23 years looks at you and doesn't give you the loveliest look in the world. And you know what your week beholds. Welcome to the Pete the Planner Show, everybody. Kristen, oh man, what a week oh. at the Dunn household. Surely it's fixed now, right? As of yesterday, and of course we record on Friday. So as of Thursday, uh, so, so we went all of Tuesday, all of Wednesday, and then a big part of Thursday. Our house was 90 degrees no, I'm a um, hmm, sw a sweaty man, and in general, <laughs> to add additional ninety degree heat on top of that, it was brutal. So there are a, lo a lot of takeaways here. Number one, the repair got it cost me six thousand five hundred dollars. Is what I'm telling you. It cost me six thousand five hundred American dollars. Uh, so I believe one of you guessed in that area on the show last week. Um, I think Dame was like six, maybe. And I said, Ooh, I feel like it might be higher than that. Well, so. I mean, so you both kind of win. Uh, we did replace and holy cow. By the time I woke up this morning, our, our home was a crisp <laughs> hotel room, 70 <laughs> degrees. Oh, uh, and you do think it's like, Kristen, I, I, when I was in college, I, I didn't have air conditioning, right? Like I, I just mm -hmm. did for four years. And so, uh, man, it took me back to those days. Well, in your defense, this the heat, at least here, has been next level. So give yourself a little credit, I feel. Kristen, you lived in Yuma, Arizona. I did. The sunniest place in the world. The sunniest place in the world, which sounds like my mortal enemy. <laughs> if, if someone said, hey, Pete, I want you to live in the sunniest place in the world, I wouldn't ask any follow-up questions. I would just say no. No. <laughs> yeah. I like overcast. Mm -hmm. And I like about 56 degrees is my ideal temperature. Yeah. When I lived in Arizona in the afternoon would let the house get to 84. 84. Mm -hmm. What was the, like, what's the temperature right now in Arizona? I know we're in this big heat wave. Like I know Phoenix is like 115, but what's Yuma? Is it hotter? Um, Probably a little bit cooler because I think the theory there is there's not as much roadway that heats oh, the area. That's totally it. Yeah. So probably a little bit cooler if I had to guess, but I don't know. Chris and I was in Universal Studios for a day last week, uh, my family vacation before I dragged my kids to wineries and made them just w watch the, uh, make them watch me taste wine. And um, let me tell you about Universal Studios. Uh, have you ever been to Universal Studios in uh, the Hollywood area? Oh, no, I have not. Yeah. So I went to Hollywood uh, during a writer's strike and an actor's strike. And I went to the studios of which they're striking against. And I felt really bad. I'm I'm driving past picket lines. I enter the park. I, I break the line. 
Uh-huh. And uh, as a fellow entertainer, I felt really bad about that. <laughs> but you did it. But my kids don't care. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, uh, how are you? I am good. I'm good. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Dame's not here. He's, uh, he's I don't know where he is. He's somewhere. Mm, Tennessee. Sure. Uh, Dame's somewhere in the country, but not here. Do you think he's listening? No. Good. I mean, good, because I want people when not working to not work. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know that listening to the show really constitutes work, but yeah. Having to deal with me is work. Touche. Touche. Kristen, on the show this week, we've got a wonderful couple email questions. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I understand you made an impulse purchase here recently as well, so I'm going to... Dig a little deeper on that. Of course, we have the biggest waste of money of the week and the news. Before we go much further, I did discover something else at Universal Studios. Kristen, I'm past the I enjoy ride phase of my life. Ditto. I, ha- I, I, I hated each ride worse than the last. <laughs> I was so sick. Aww. And uh, like, just like, they're like, oh, that was fun. The mummy ride and whatever. I'm like, I'm going to vomit all over the picketers because I felt so sick after every single ride. So it wasn't that you don't feel like you would have enjoyed the ride. It's that they made you sick is why I get car sick. Like I, I have to drive a car or Mm -hmm. I get car sick. And so it was like, everything made me car sick. I'm like, how do you fly? Fine. How? I don't know. I sleep like a baby. No, I like a baby. No, I have to put those patches behind my ears when I fly because I get so motion sick. Pa- oh, the Dramamine thing. They're like um, they're a transdermal patch. They go behind your ear um, and they absorb into your skin and they're awful. They like dry out your mouth. They make you feel gross, but it's better than getting sick on Gigi on the way to Texas. You know? <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Um, all right. Let's do a show. Uh, hello, everyone, by the way. I, I've, I've ignored everyone in the live stream. Hello, Rick and Rochelle and Jameson and Jason and Andy and Danza, of course. Big Rick. Everybody. Um, okay, let's do the show. Uh, we're going to start with the email. I got to pull it up. And I'm going to start with, can I start with the second question? Yes. Okay, yes, ma'am. And three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and here's what will happen. We, we may actually answer your question on the air. It may just go to spam. I don't know. I don't dig through my spam. I actually don't even check this email address. Someone else does, and then, and then we talk about it on the show. Speaking of someone else, hello, Kristen. Hello, Pete. Director of Education at Your Money Line, Kristen Alenius, uh, joins us. Kristen, let's begin the show with a really important announcement. Oh. You now have a master's degree. I do technically have the requirements of a master's degree, yes. When is graduation? Uh, August, question mark. And what is your new master's degree in? Personal financial planning. Um, I dual majored in that in financial therapy. And not that we should discuss, discuss someone's grade point average on the air, but when it is perfection, it is worth noting. I did maintain my 4.0. That was my biggest goal going into the program. Yeah. 
So I'm proud of you, and I know all of our listeners are proud of you. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, and congrats. Um, dear Pete, Kristen, and Dame Who's on Vacation, love the podcast. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with so many people in such an entertaining way. My wife and I recently completed a very successful short-term, that's 18-month, real estate deal that has resulted in us in having over 250000 American dollars in cash right now. It's currently in our high-yield online savings account. Short version of my question is, what would you do in today's environment with that amount of extra money in order to best take advantage of it? Some additional details for context that you don't have to read on air. <laughs> Certainly one wouldn't want to be accused of sending the world's longest email like that person a couple of weeks ago, but thought it was important to share some details. We are currently saving about 20% of our gross income for retirement including maxing out our backdoor Roths, solar 401k, and maxing out investing with an HSA and taxable brokerage account, uh, and also have a 457B we are maxing out. We do have an excellent financial advisor, but I'm always interested in other perspectives. The ideas we're going to go over with them mainly boil down to dollar cost averaging, uh, nothing else there worth noting, other than just wish I was as brave as Pete wearing fashion camo on Veterans Day. Uh, another piece of context here, we are in our early 30s, so our current portfolio allocation is 100% stocks, projected to be financially independent in our mid-50s. But that does include the impact of this new cash amount. Important element here, Kristen, annual gross household income is about 600000 American dollars. We bought a new house last year, and our interest rate is 5.75%. Spicy, but not as spicy as your mortgage, Kristen. Um, not as spicy as my sister's. Mine isn't quite there. Okay. Only have one auto loan that's at zero percent interest. Uh thought about keeping the cash. Blah 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 blah. What do we do? Uh did I miss any important elements of this? Don't think so. Okay. Um, so let's let's figure this out. Two hundred and fifty thousand qu quarter million dollars. Mm -hmm. Quarter million dollars. At what point do you reference a million dollars when referencing a money that isn't a million dollars? There, uh, quarter there. million. Yeah. But when, but when, if you're if you're if you're just reading this email on your own, you're sitting there with your master's degree. Oh boy. <laughs> and yeah. you look at it. Are you are you reading quarter million dollars in your head as someone with a master's degree in this, or are you going that's two hundred fifty thousand dollars? I'm going that's two hundred fifty k. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, what are you going to do with this quarter million dollars? Something that I see a lot in my work that I just want to make sure the emailer is preparing for is when we get to this point of seeming independence, like this financially independent place or this stable place, we don't always then go back and replan for the things that allowed us to get there. So like we talked about your car purchase on the show last week. So maybe keeping some funds aside for the next car purchase so that they don't have to take out a loan if they don't want to. That would probably be where I would suggest they start. See, I think this is a version. What you just said is a version of when someone retires, having buckets of money that mm -hmm. prevents them from pulling on their investments or drawing on their investments in down markets. So it's, and I also dislike the term slush fund and I won't use it, but it, it's like, a, it's just a bucket of money earning five point. Well, no, they're not earning 5.75, but they might be earning 5.3, 5.4. Yeah. Right. Five and a quarter, most likely. I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily think this accelerates their financial independence in a way that, that makes sense. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. And I think that's why it's so important to know where the next dollar goes, because 
coming back to what is our highest priority. If for them, their highest priority is being financially independent and moving the needle lower and lower, because right now they said, what, mid 50s? So if saying, hey, let's get this lower and lower is priority one. Well, then we invest these funds for the long term. There's not really a question mark there for me. But if the they sound like people that maybe want to take some additional opportunities if they're made available to them based on how they acquired this money in the first place, well, sometimes that money has to be, I shouldn't say sometimes, a lot of the time that money has to be liquid to make those moves. So the liquidity is important if you want those opportunities. I I do think this is an interesting aspect about their mortgage. They said, at our loan amount, paying extra on principal makes a very meaningful difference over the life of the loan. Just an extra $1,000 a month takes 13 years off and saves about $500,000 in interest. It's sort of hard (laughs) to not lean into that, right? Agreed. And they said they're, I think, in their early 30s. So that would put them paying off the mortgage potentially 10 years before they would want their current goal to be financially independent. So maybe that is the thing that that moves them to that independence, is eliminating what for most of us is your largest monthly liability. Yeah. I'm curious how much more cash flow positive they are on a monthly basis, if we can ignore everything about their email other than their income mm-hmm. and how much they're saving towards retirement. I wonder how cash flow positive they are because if they are, I don't think they need the extra quarter million dollars to take care of that mortgage situation. They could just use their extra cash flow. And I almost feel like they may be suggesting they are already doing that. That's fair. So is the answer then based on some context and us filling in some of the gaps is you fund the intermediate and then you have to decide what that looks like to you. They gave us quite a bit of details and didn't mention children. My assumption based on that would be that they do not have children. So if they don't have children or don't plan to have children, that looks differently than if they plan to expand a family, which as you and Dame tell me all the time, just bleeds you dry. So make sure, (laughs) make sure that you're planning for that adequately. So I I just did a little uh, math on the radio, which is oh boy. what I'm known for. Uh, if they're getting five and a half percent on a high yield savings account right mm-hmm. now, that that yields over a thousand dollars a month of interest Bingo. on that quarter million dollars. Set the two fifty aside, have that pay the extra thousand on the mortgage, and you get you can have your cake and eat it too. I like that. I like that a lot because I just, I get this vibe that they are opportunistic and maybe that's why they're struggling because they, the emailer wrote that he doesn't understand why it's hard for him to think about dollar cost averaging the money into an investment account when he's already doing that with his retirement funds. And maybe it's that lack of control that he's struggling with knowing that investing it means he might not have as many opportunities should they arise. You know, sometimes to answer this question, I have to remind myself that it's best for me to say, what would I do? Like, what would I actually do? It's almost like the the conversation last week around my car scenario. Mm-hmm. Like, what would I actually do? And I think I would set the 250 aside, high yield savings account, have the interest go to pay off or, or my mortgage earlier. I think that's what I would do because if they're already financially independent and they're they're mid fifties, what what's the point? Like, what's the point of of locking it up any further? I think that's totally fair. 
And of course, yes, we have to acknowledge that this is a good problem to have <laughs> and earning 600,000 American dollars over the course of 365 days as a household uh, provides a lot of options. Yes. Is that fair? That's more than fair. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about the the student loans uh, restarting. We had a question around that. uh, And Kristen made a spontaneous purchase. That's all next here on the Pete the Planner show. My apologies. You've been running long outros lately, so I didn't want to offer too much there at the end. I uh, No, it actually worked out because I didn't see the time. (laughs) Um, For those watching the live stream today, I randomly chose to broadcast from my office as opposed to walking 20 feet down our office corridor, Mm -hmm. which is also a hallway. Krista, what's the difference between a corridor and a hallway? Uh, Your net worth? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's funny. That's a good one. Um, Yeah. Walking. I'm just doing it from here. Plus, it's a major storm outside in Indianapolis, so I'm just sort of enjoying watching the lightning, thinking I could get struck. So that's good. Um, Chris, big plans this weekend? Um, potentially finishing my basement for this fall for football, so that's good. Wow, like you're finishing your entire basement in a weekend? Is Ty, um, Pennett, Ty Pennington there? No, it's it's like finished i should say but like getting it put together so um a built-in fireplace um and then you know putting some sports decor uh around that sort of thing what when you think about uh, the fall and how, mm-hmm. it's the, the ultimate sports season right mm-hmm. what game or team or moments do you actually look forward to of like i'm gonna sit and drink ranch water and watch this what is this I wouldn't drink ranch water because of the time of day that it airs, but sure. I do believe that Lee Corso is a national treasure. And I think that college game day is just unmatched. And I would really prefer to sit in my basement this fall and watch college game day. I asked this with kindness and, and hopefully some honesty. Oh, no. uh, does uh, Pat McAfee enhance game day experience or is it just change it? He's okay, I guess. I, I know what you're getting at. He's fine. I don't know. I'm not getting at anything. <laughs> He's fine. I, I have to say, and, and he may view this differently. He and I did a celebrity comedy show together once uh, really? a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't know how many years ago. When he was still in the NFL. Uh, and we did, it was like a one night people of uh, uh, notoriety get up and, and do a, a stand up act. I did better. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm happy I, for you. I'm sure he remembers. I, and there is a video on the internet of him admitting that. Just so you know. Don't. I'll hunt. No, I don't know. Uh, I'll see if I can find. I don't. I, I spent time trying to find that and send it to you. <laughs> oh, actually, it's consistent with who I am. Um, I look forward to Premier League soccer, English Premier League mm-hmm. soccer coming back in about two weeks. Although, Kristen, I got a major problem. Uh, I support the, the essentially the Chicago Cubs of the English Premier League, and they're called Tottenham Hotspur. Okay. Their owner was indicted in federal court this week oh, no. on insider trading. He's an eight, he's like eighty. Okay, I'm going to mess up the details, but no one cares. <laughs> he's like eighty six years old. Oh no! He's worth over six billion dollars, mm-hmm. and he was convicted of some of the most audacious insider. Hear that thunder? Thunder. Oh my gosh. 
Maybe God is a Tottenham Hotspur fan. And some of the most audacious insider training I have ever, ever heard of. Oh. Like insider trading is one of those things that people talk about and say the phrase, but in, unless you're really in the financial industry, you don't really understand all the ins and outs of insider trading. Uh, this is just nuts. So allegedly, he, he just gave two of his pilots $500,000 each, told him exactly what to buy, what stock to buy, because he's on a boards of directors and sorts of things. Mm-hmm. They made the purchase, repaid him both the half million dollars each, kept the proceeds, and he just d- did it as like a parlor trick, allegedly. Like he was just doing it like, hey, uh, bye, bye, bye. Hey, you want to make a little cash? And and like, <laughs> why brazen? Absolutely brazen. So you're still a fan of the team. I'm still a fan of the team, but take that and our best player, Harry Kane, uh, being sort of on the transfer block. They call trades transfers and, okay. and uh, whatever. It's problematic. It's going to be a long season. Oh, no. The golden cockerel that stands above Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is hey, hanging its head in shame. Their, their mascot is a, a cockerel. It looks like a rooster, but it's called a cockerel. Interesting. And there's a giant statue over Tottenham Stadium. It's a golden cockerel. Mm-hmm. And for that, we will move on. <laughs> Good call. Oz is in the office today, by the way. She's nervous. She is our HR person, and she is down from Chicago. She's here. Okay. Let's. Okay. Okay. So, uh, podcast people, sorry. There is a painting behind me. And one, Caitlin Alanius, <laughs> uh, the one with the really high mortgage interest rate. She <laughs> <laughs> she does not like the painting. And so I will describe the painting for those that don't can't see it. It is George Washington from the, uh, I believe, what is that, a $1 bill? Perhaps. And he is sort of graffitied. He's got gold hair, blue lips. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's I like it. I, I got this at CB2, which is Crate and Barrel 2. Mm. It, it's a sort of a strange store. You can't really find them. You can find them online. And I got it probably a long time ago. But you know how I am with time. Could have been <laughs> last <knows>? week. <laughs> Could have been before knowledge. I was born. I think I bought this before I was born. Oh, no. Uh, oh, if they think that's upsetting, I should go get the Benjamin Franklin one. Yes. You know that what? One's weird. I might go do that right now. Oh my! Here is now you my office, it. or is it my studio? I, it, last time I was there, it was in the studio up against the wall. Okay, I'm gonna run out. Will you entertain people for like 20 seconds? Naturally, that's okay. who I am. All right, yeah. I'll be right back. People are gonna freak out. There's people outside my door. I'm on the air. This painting is disturbing. Stand by. <laughs> it's. I think he's kind of overselling it a little bit. I don't think it's that bad. Um, but who said Jameson? The artwork low key looks like Matthew McConaughey. Does anybody else feel like that's true? I can kind of see it. I also feel like he was a little disingenuous with the description of the lips. It very much reminds me of, um, I grew up with Bratz dolls. That's definitely what it reminds me of is a Bratz doll. Okay. I'm back. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> this is so disturbing. <laughs> um, I'm trying to go what shoulder I want to go over. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> How disturbing is this? Okay. So podcast people, Hate what us. we're seeing now <laughs> Is Benjamin Franklin um, on the 100, and he is, the, the the picture is altered 
to paint his hair green in the style of like the Joker from Batman mm-hmm. and with like red uh, uh, kill list lips, you know, like he's uh, I got this in the streets of uh, Manhattan in Soho from a, a street artist named Jimmy Aponte, who actually is a pretty good Instagram follow. Uh, but I like it, but it disturbs people so much. I can't put it up. That's silly. I like it. I don't know. Like I'm interviewing two people for jobs today. They're coming to my house. I'm not going to show them that. <laughs> Why? What If you showed up for a job interview and you saw that, you would leave. <laughs> if someone has any context of like you as a brand, I don't they think don't. that they might. You don't think people Google before I, they come to an I interview? I don't know. I'm just, they a, do. I, I'm just on the leadership team as far as they're <laughs> concerned. They don't know I'm insane yet. <laughs> Daniel, that's a little harsh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel says, go ahead. and uh, Oh, other Daniel uh, or this one? Two Daniels, oh, Dwayne. Both, yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I, sorry. I know podcast people. Yeah, sorry. Anyway. Anyway. Oh, I gotta go. We gotta get going. Okay. Um. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Kristen. It occurs to me, or I, I, I have been told, you did something this uh in in, in recent history here that is not really towards your character, and that is a major. <laughs> spontaneous purchase a major spontaneous purchase as someone with a master's degree in personal finance and, and be- what's this what's the other major in you no, behavioral finance or financial therapy now you've got me confused about my own degree right <laughs> this is shocking that you've made this purchase but but it might be a little deeper than that help us understand what's going on and how okay. price anchoring comes into all of this like teach us a thing a master's degree holder Okay. So this week I was looking for a new tracker, like a fitness tracker, because I had a series six Apple watch and it's over two years old. And as far as that technology is concerned, borderline geriatric. So I'm looking for something new. I want to upgrade. And I saw an advertisement for a fit. It's a ring. I think it's called the aura ring. I believe saw an advertisement for it. Thought, Oh my word, this is so cool. It's basically the new Apple Watch, except that it's not bulky. You don't feel like you couldn't wear it and maybe like higher level, like higher end situations or more formal situations. And I'm I'm thinking this thing is so cool. I really want one of these. And so I saw on their website, the price was $2.99. I'm like, okay, so I'm doing all this research. I want one. I want one. Well, when I went to check out, I'm building my ring, decide I can live without the interface of the Apple Watch. I'm building my ring. And the only option that's $2.99 is the one that I wouldn't wear in a formal setting. Okay, what, what's, can, can I get a timeout? Do I get time? Oh, Dame, Dame's not two. here to track. Okay. I'll give you two. What kind of formal setting are you involved with? Like, are you going to the White House? <laughs> no. Like, what's happening? No, I just mean that it looks to me like it doesn't look very feminine, the like most basic one. And so for me, I don't feel like I would wear it if I was in like a more formal meeting or if I was going to a nice er dinner. I think it would feel out of place with a more formal outfit for me. So 
the lowest price point was the only one that was two ninety nine, and okay. that two ninety nine became what's called an anchor. So an anchor, essentially, anchoring is a cognitive bias, and it means that we tend to put a lot of emphasis on that initial piece of information that we get, and then we use it to make decisions. Usually, it's used against us, like with uh, if you get emails for cheap airfare. Like I get emails all the time that say "fly here for thirty seven dollars," and then it makes it feel like it's a really good deal. Well, it actually worked against this company because I was so fixated on the $299 price point that when I went to build my ring and it was more than that, I didn't think that it was worth the jump, even though I spent $399 on an Apple Watch. So you got an Apple Watch for more, but in your mind, it's like, well, you're getting a lot more for only a little bit more money. Yeah, that's exactly. And I didn't have to change interfaces. And I feel that if they would have advertised what I felt was the more realistic price point for the ring, because all the ones I saw online, the reviews, no one was wear, no females were wearing that most basic ring. They were wearing like the gold one. They were wearing the one that didn't have the, um, it's, it has a more like an octagon shape. No one was wearing that one in any review that I watched. So then when I went to purchase it and wanted to buy the one that I had seen so many times, that one was $4.99. Okay, so $2.99, it's a $200 difference, is mm-hmm. the one you would have wanted. Right. And you abandoned that plan and and spent $100 more. You split <laughs> the difference on, on a completely different thing. And this is this is how price anchoring affects our, our brains. I'll say even as I was making purchase decisions this past week on a new air conditioner, I found myself in the same place mm-hmm. is that I was given a quote. I'm not, a, I mean, you, we, we've discussed it. I'm not a good negotiator. I try, I try to be, I'm not, the thing is like, I, not that you have to be a tough person, tough guy to negotiate, but you have to be a little bit serious and that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did get a better price than it was quoted. Uh, I, what I view to be significantly different. And so the fact that I was anchored on that higher price and I was able to, to go down made it feel really good. Yep, 100%. And there are examples all the way across the board where, um, so like suggested retail price is really common because it gives you the impression that no matter what the sale price is, even if it's just that retailer carriers carries that item lower than that suggested retail price, it makes you feel like you're getting a deal. $9.99 pricing. So both my Apple Watch and the Aura Ring that I was looking at were both priced at the very top of those $100 uh, like of those $100 increments, but it kept me anchored to wanting to spend something that felt like 200 or something that felt felt like 300. And then the final one, which I fell victim to all the time, even though I know it's happening, is when someone sets a purchase limit, like limit two or limit five per Uh, customer. Sam's Club does that and it gets me to buy my fair life five cases at a time. Wow, okay, so wow. So, so my my version of this um, with with anchoring only by one or only by two is I I think if you go and if you like bourbon, oftentimes there are limits on you can only buy one or two because mm-hmm. it's considered to be allocated or something like that, and uh, it does force you to try to be like, well, I got to buy all that I can. Mm-hmm. How how else isn't tipping somehow involved with price anchoring as well? Yeah. So I see this and I think we've shared our frustration um, in like not super directly, but in the miscellaneous fees and gratuities that just have 
become part of our world. And one of them is just the mandatory gratuity because it makes the price feel like it hasn't increased. But then when you receive a bill, for example, we went to a dinner um, not long ago and for parties of six or more to sit together, there was an automatic 10% gratuity. And then that gratuity wasn't given to our server. So everyone at the table still feels that they need to tip because our server was great. And before you know it, the meal then had a tip of 30% on it because it was labeled as a gratuity. They weren't just increases in prices. So I was in a, a restaurant uh, this past Sunday night in in uh, in Hollywood and four of us ate and it was a mandatory 20% service fee. There. Okay. And then it said um, gratuity is appreciated below the service fee. and And it just like, the people we were with live out there, but it's still confusing. I didn't know what to do. And I felt like, okay, well, first of all, we wouldn't put gratuity on top of the new price that is, is includes the 20%. So if we did gratuity, it would be off the lower. It, it was just like, how is this getting hard? I don't want to feel tricked. I just want some chicken Parmesan, right? Yes. And that's how I feel. And I was reading an article not long ago about why when you go to any, it seems like it's always a retailer or a merchant who uses an iPad and there's always that option to tip. But as I understand it, please correct me if I'm wrong, the incentive there for the company who's providing that technology is that they get a percentage fee, which includes your tip. So of course they want you to tip. I've never considered that. Isn't that how it, I feel? I really think that's how it works. I've never considered that. Yeah. You got me rethinking everything. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's dig deep on this in the minute we have left. So, yeah. because uh, 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 merchant services, uh, uh, you know, some of the processes, uh, credit right. cards, they get paid on the number uh, from a percentage standpoint uh, of the amount of money processed through their service. As I So, understand. if that goes up, they get more, and that would even include gratuity. You, you believe, or, or, or you are hypothesizing, that gratuity is not exempt from processing fees. Because why would it be? Because it's coming out of your account. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This master's degree is really paying off. Oh, my word. <laughs> so much regret. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Every week here on the Pizza Planner Show, get taken to school by Kristen Alanius. You said miscellaneous in that segment there. And I'm curious as if it's weird for you to say miscellaneous. Not anymore, no. Okay. Coming up after the break, uh, we do have some student loan updates. Just like, like how are things going to work a little bit in regards to payment? What sort of relief is available? That's all next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I don't have a lot of time to do what I've done between segments anymore. <laughs> I've got a stacked day. But I will show everyone the bedroom in Franklin painting. It's, it is. I Just like it. <laughs> I like it. I don't know. I get I get it. I get it. Uh, I had it hanging in one office and someone was working back there and they, they took it down. They're like, this stares at me when I work. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's that's how it's designed. Get your stuff done. No, I'm just kidding. I would never say that. Um. One of our friends got his email about sending out payments for his student loans. Oh, I would love to see that. Actually, I would love for Kristen to see that. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. 
I don't want someone without a master's degree looking over an email like that. Oh my word. <laughs> I have so many regrets about letting Damon Damien post that in the general channel. Oh my gosh. This is Dave asking, we don't have time for this, Dave. Why would you do business with anyone that you believe is trying to trick you? I agree, but you're at a restaurant. It's an amazing meal. And at the end, you're like, I don't know what to do. I, I, and you, it's uncomfortable. Okay. Do, do, do. What am I looking for? Oh, the radio email. Yes. It's just short, right above the one you read, I believe. Got it. Uh, okay, let's do it. In three, two, uh, wait, five seconds here. I don't know why. Three, two, <laughs> one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Kristen in October, student loan payments start back up. People are freaking out. It's going to jack up the economy. I'm not trying to scare you. I just, it just is. But rules are still coming out as to what's going on. There's an email that asks about these said rules, and you happen to know many of them. So we're going to have you help this person. Dear uh, good day, Pete, Damien, and Kristen. I'll keep my questions short and sweet this time. <laughs> with regards to the round of federal student loan forgiveness, which addresses those people with income-based repayment loans, some of whom had monthly loans of $0, or should you say monthly payments of $0 due to low income, isn't debt forgiveness treated as taxable income? So Let's take an example of someone who's married, filing jointly with a gross income of $117,000, which after the standard deduction puts them at the top of the 12% marginal tax bracket. Yeah, this is just a hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> if they have $20,000 in loan forgiveness, that will push them into the 22% bracket where they will owe an additional $4,400 in taxes all at once as part of their loan forgiveness. This is just a straw man example, but it seems like many people wishing for one fell swoop of loan forgiveness forget that debt forgiveness is a taxable event. An additional 4K in taxes owed could come as a surprise to many people who were struggling to pay their student loans in the first place. But Kristen, student loan forgiveness is not coming, correct? No. And I think what the emailer is referencing is the new income driven repayment plan, which we can circle back in just a second. But the American Rescue Plan Act in 2021, question mark, um, made student loan forgiveness tax free through the end of 2025. So someone who's qualifying for forgiveness would not receive a tax bill. I can't say, and I wouldn't certainly make my um, student loan forgiveness decisions based on potential future legislation, but that plan, does it, I don't know that I see a world where that doesn't get extended when we're, the administration, the Department of Education is pushing student loan forgiveness to this degree. So traditionally, the emailer is correct. Traditionally, student loan forgiveness outside of an established program like public service loan forgiveness is a taxable event. They are not wrong about that. So when the when the government steps in, every once in a while you'll see tens of thousands of borrowers and billions of dollars of student loans have been wiped out through a special little something like a mm -hmm. uh, for-profit college thing. Are, are, are those loans? 
Um, I don't ever look at each of those programs, like the taxation specifically, because I think it's case by case. My guess would be no when they step in with that. But the income driven repayment plan forgiveness that used to take 20 to 25 years, that was always a taxable event independent of the mass student loan forgiveness and public service loan forgiveness, because that would get you there sooner. But if you were trying to qualify for student loan forgiveness solely based on your income, that forgiven amount would be taxable historically. So we are starting to to hear a little bit more about how student loan repayment will begin again mm-hmm. uh, in October. And it's not as much of a thick drawn line in the sand as, as one would think. It's sort of wishy-washy. Yeah, go ahead and repay. Like, right? It feels pretty loosey-goosey. Well, and I think it's because there, everyone has kind of, I shouldn't say everyone, (laughs) me, (laughs) I've been waiting for these, uh, the new income driven repayment plan that was announced when student loan forgiveness was initially announced. And we do have some of the provisions of that plan. Some of them go into effect immediately. Some of them not until 2024, but this new income driven repayment plan that's replacing one of the old ones. Um, will significantly decrease the amount of money that borrowers have to put toward their student loan payment each month, um, which means that theoretically forgiveness balances could be higher for some, could actually be lower for others. Interesting. And we are hearing reports of people uh, beginning to get communications around repayment Mm -hmm. starting again. Are you seeing any early or hearing of any early troubles or is it going smoothly? I think there's confusion because the new repayment plan technically isn't a repayment plan, I believe, is how that works. And so you have to apply for one of the current payment plans. So there are four repayment plans that base your student loan payment on your income. Okay. they all fall under the income-driven repayment plan umbrella. The new one that benefits almost everyone who's going to pay on income-driven repayment is being is replacing one of the ones that already exists. So you have to apply for what's called repayee, revised pay as you earn, and then be moved to the new plan because the infrastructure is not there to just let people be on it immediately. That has absolutely caused confusion in our daily work because borrowers aren't sure what they should do in the interim. I have an impossible question to answer. Awesome. With a faulty premise. I understand a lot of things. I understand a lot of financial things. And to some degree, I understand how the government works, (laughs) but not as much as I'd wish. How in the world is the average Joe supposed to figure this out? It it is, it's impossible. Kristen, how is someone supposed to figure this out? And I'm not saying, well, make sure your company signs up for your money line. Like this is absurd. I do not disagree with that statement. And unfortunately, uh, whether I agree or disagree with this, you are required more than ever to be your own advocate and to do your own research. And I will say that the studentaid.gov website is an incredible resource, an incredible resource. But I find that it is very much like the IRS website and the same uh, qualms I have with both websites um, seem to continue to reign true, which is that when you find the information on the website, top tier, it always does a really great job of explaining. There's great FAQs, etc. Finding what you need, I find to be cumbersome. I have an unsubstantiated comment I'd like to make. I believe mm-hmm. this will lead to more default because people will just throw their hands up in the air and not party like they just don't care, <laughs> but instead say, 
well, to heck with this. I don't I can't figure this out. I'm not gonna do anything. <laughs> do you think absolute apathy will set in that is derived from confusion? Or is this just an old bald guy wanting to get angry about something? Uh, I think it can- I think it can be both. And oh, what, good. <laughs> what, I, what I think is true is that borrowers who need to apply for an income-driven repayment plan will still benefit even if initially they're not on the one that benefits them the most. So if you're someone who needs your student loan payment to be lowered based on your income and your household size, applying for an IDR has been and is still the move. You might initially be on the one that doesn't benefit you as much as the others, but I guess worst case scenario, I'm trying to like think through the timeline here would be next year when you reapply, you would see that a different plan is more advantageous for you. So ideally you still end up in the right place. It just might take you a little bit longer to get there. And then in a year from now, you might be really frustrated that your payment could have been lower all along. It's a lot. Is it, and I'm also curious when people switch these options, when they switch the plans, Mm -hmm. Do they go backwards? Is it like refinancing a car loan or something? Or or is it start with wherever you ended? Yeah. So the new payment plan, one of the best provisions of this plan that we have kind of yelled and screamed about for a long time is that if your monthly payment doesn't cover the interest, that interest does not remain. So if your loan, let's just say mathematically, accrues $100 in interest that month, your required payment based on your income and your household size is 50. As long as you make the payment that's required, that other $50 does not follow you into the next month, which is a huge win for lower income households. So it just is written off completely? I I don't know if write off's the word, but yeah, it's gone. Hmm. That's that's uh, peculiar and and arguably fair, right? Like I, I yeah. think what what is so hard about student loans is that if you are not covering the interest, then mm-hmm. they just keep growing. You, you hear horror story after horror story of of people starting with thirty thousand dollars of student loans, and then fifteen years later they have eighty thousand dollars of student loans, which doesn't yep. exactly seem right. Yep, exactly. And this plan hopes to eliminate those uh, situations. Well, that's nice. All right, let's do this. Coming up after the break, we've got a few different things. We've got the current events as uh, presented by Kristen, since Dame is on vacation. And we've got this week's biggest waste of money of the week. Kristen, I feel well-informed to make a pretty good judgment about this week's BWAM, biggest waste of money of the week. And I'm also pleased that I get to present these ideas to you for you to guess. That is next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I was reading my email during that segment, which is a bad idea. Good. Awesome. Yeah. I got a ridiculous email. (laughs) I could go on a rant, but I won't. Also, I watched the guy that does the sound effects. Very underwhelming. (laughs) Michael Winslow. (laughs) Did you watch the Led Zeppelin one? I watched whatever one you put in the chat and I was like. That was underwhelming. (laughs) <laughs> well, his comedy, well, like he was doing America's Got Talent, and so he was bad. doing like bits, and they they weren't funny. He's like, no. and then uh, a fast car went by. Mm. It's like that's not a comedy act. He's like, and then there was an ambulance. I'm basically the modern day Michael Winslow, except it is the modern day, and he's still in it. So I don't know who I am. No, I was a little underwhelmed. <laughs> and then there's a baby crying. <laughs> it was like his setup was terrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, uh, Chris, no, uh, Kristen has not seen Police Academy. She's not seen, first of all, she's not a movie person, so that no. ruins everything. <laughs> Number two, she's not seen a single piece of media prior to 1998. She doesn't know that the war existed <laughs> prior to 1998. Okay. Have you seen the original Top Gun? Mm-mm. What? <laughs> what? What is wrong with you? I'm sorry. That I'm master's not... degree you can't teach class. I mean, this week in our team meeting, I had to divulge that I've not seen The Wizard of Oz. So that was a good one. What? Sorry. You've not seen The Wizard of Oz? No. Okay, now i got to go through some classics to see if you have seen these. The answer is no. <laughs> Star Wars? No. Indiana Jones? No. Back to the Future? No. Jurassic Park? Like, may- there's a lot of them, right? Like, maybe one or two. Okay. Mean Girls? Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah. So the classics. <laughs> All right. <laughs> first Bueller's Day Off. Six. No. Ooh, ooh. Uh, so you've definitely not seen like Caddyshack, Spies Like Us. No. Okay. Animal House. No. Animal Vacation, National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, boy. Princess Bride? I have seen that, Danza. Okay. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. But a lot of country music. Lots of it, yeah. A lot of country music. Huh. Okay. Let's do the show. Um... <laughs> In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is... That's right. The search for Cleopatra's tomb by the Lumineer. The Lumineer has announced its latest travel experience. The quest for the long-lost tomb of Cleopatra, deep in Alexandria, accompany the team of renowned archaeologist Dr. Kathleen Martinez as they explore a network of tunnels recently uncovered at the Great Temple of Osiris. Tunnels that she believes will unearth the final resting place of Cleopatra. Oh, my. Journey from Cairo to Alexandria, discovering ancient artifacts, exploring dig sites behind the scenes, and standing at the forefront of archaeological progress in this once-in-a-generational journey with luxury dining and accommodations throughout. Make sure... This is... By the way terrible read for me today i don't know like i'm what am i doing i can't read make sure you're part of these new discoveries that could possibly rewrite egyptian history Kristen, what does it cost oh no to be part of the journey in the recently uncovered great temple of osiris did you tell Dude, me how many what days how many days oh you, you think that matters well okay i i don't know I mean, look, here's the thing. You're going to be haunted for the rest of your life. So is it really worth it? Is a single penny worth it? Because you will have great curse put upon your family. I I was recently at Universal Studios, and I rode the mummy ride, (laughs) and I feel cursed. I was cursed with car sickness immediately upon riding the ride. What about going to the real tomb of Cleopatra? You don't think you're going to have like spiders and all of your raspberries or moldy yogurt? I mean, all of the sort of things that terrify me on a daily basis. What do you think it costs? Um, I don't, I really have no idea, but now I want to say a quarter million. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you remember a rule around here about what you're supposed to do with your guess? Multiply it by 10. 
So did you do that in this regard? Yeah. You shouldn't have. The answer is $25,000. <laughs> Who did that to me last week? I think, it was, was it James or Daniel? Somebody oh. told me to multiply by 10. Oh, wow. So, I mean, here's the thing. Like, great. First of all, who knew that we, we, I'm involved. I'm an archaeologist. Who knew we've never found Cleopatra? Didn't you assume we found Cleopatra? Um, Maybe, but is this your image or their image that they provided? That's their image. What, my image? Okay. Uh, first of all, it... we're on the radio, but I am showing an image on our live stream. Kristen, what are the chances that I track down an image for a segment? Well, because you could have told me that this was the scene or the backdrop for like a new Indiana Jones movie. And I wouldn't have known the difference because I've never seen it. I just think the risk of unearthing ancient artifacts <laughs> is just like I've seen National Treasure, National Treasure 2. I know how these curses work. I mm. Dare I say I'm an expert at this. I would have no idea then, actually. Kristen, what's in the news this week? Yellow Corp Trucking Company shares plunge as bankruptcy looms. The end may be close for Yellow Corp, a nearly century-old trucking company with 30,000 employees. Mm. The company narrowly avoided a fatal strike by the Teamsters earlier this week after they missed payments to pensions and the health care funds. The sales staff was reportedly told that the company would be filing bankruptcy July 31st, so that would be this upcoming Monday. If you're listening to the podcast, might have already happened. Shares plunged for 40% on Thursday, July 27th. I can just see the trucks, right? Mm -hmm. Big block, black block letters says yellow. Yep. Right. On those trucks, 30,000 people are losing their jobs. It says the company has 30,000 employees. And then also there was, um, I don't know what you would call this mismanagement. Um, that you know, I'm, I'm quite familiar with mismanagement. I do it on a daily basis. <laughs> But um, something with like government payouts and as a result, the U.S. taxpayer actually owns about 30% of the corporation as well because of like a government bailout or something. I didn't read the backstory to the backstory. Um, so I pulled a Damien when it came to the news. I didn't have the follow up details. So pulled a dame. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I know we are at low unemployment in our economy overall right now. I know that. Uh, which doesn't bode well for 30,000 people entering the mm -hmm. job market. However, I feel like the logistics companies are always, and trucking companies are always hiring, always. So they're just going to get absorbed because that that freight, them loads has got to get delivered. <laughs> Perhaps. I came across this story because I saw a video of a meeting where an employee had heard that they had missed payments and he was naturally and understandably very emotional and irate. And that's what I think of is in the interim, navigating this space as an employee, like what does this mean for me? Because you're right. If we take a step back, we think surely this all works out in the end. But in the interim, people who have been there for their tenure, for their career, thinking about their pensions and their health care, I just can't imagine imagine how they feel i'm with you like i'm hearing this story i'm like yeah new story new story the second you say thirty thousand people i'm like oh actually i, I verbalized it. it sounded like it sounded like michael babaro there for a second I, oh uh what else is in the news kristen what fed hikes 
Much of America's consumer debt is still riding ultra-low interest rates. The Fed raised interest rates to a 22-year high on Wednesday, with the 11th increase since March of 2022. As of the first quarter, only 11% of outstanding household debt carried rates that fluctuated with benchmark interest rates because fixed-rate debt became more common after the 2008 financial crisis. The prevalence of fixed-rate debt is likely blunting the impact of the central bank's moves because estimates show Americans who refinance their mortgages alone for the better rate have saved $42 billion since March of 2020. Do you think the Fed's taking that into consideration or is the point of the article is they are not taking this into consideration? That's why they keep hiking rates. I think the I think the latter is what the article is trying to point out is is it really having the impact that you would expect because so many people are riding low interest rates? And they interviewed families in this article that I read about how they don't feel like the rising interest rate environment has really impacted them because every liability they have is at the lowest rate they've ever had. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because they refinanced when we had lower interest rates. Right. I don't know. I, I got to just say anecdotally, I feel like the, that will turn eventually where and, and it's going to be more recent consumers. What does that mean? People who just recently became adults in the last 10 years who have, are so used to low rates. And so you could afford anything with low rates or it feels like you could. But when they start to get to seven and eight percent and you're like, whoa, whoa, this is this is meaningful. We talked about in the first segment of the show, the difference on a what was probably a very large mortgage by paying it off early was a half million bucks. Like that's, that's real money. And I, I think we're not there yet where the average consumer feels that and recognizes the cost of high interest rates, but we're getting closer. I, I again, without being the old guy, I feel like people complaining about interest rates right now are people who've seen there, done that, been there, done that. And, uh, they just don't want it again. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. What else is in the news? Small Town America is the next frontier for Chipotle Mexican Grill. Chipotle is expanding to, quote, Small Town USA. The burrito chain says it will open one-fifth of its new restaurants in places with less than 40,000 people. Small Town. Okay. To some extent, a lot of restaurants are just following consumers to wherever they are. So where are they? Um, They're increasingly outside of the cities. So Chipotle's growth has driven its stock shares 53% higher this year, outpacing McDonald's and Starbucks. Do you like the Chipotle? I do like Chipotle. Uh, I love it. I think it's delicious. I, I For a while, those, what were they called? Fast casual like everything was trying mm-hmm. to be the Chipotle of this cuisine or Chipotle right. of that cuisine. Like Piata was trying to be the Italian Chipotle. And then there's like an Indian food place that's trying to do it. It's a great model. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's cheap because it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels healthier than fast food. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how they trick you. It's like, exactly. hey, this, this 1100 calorie burrito is healthier than that McChicken. It's like, is it? What? Huh? It's twice <laughs> the calories. Huh? How? It's exactly what they do. It's organic. Yeah. Uh, do you like Chipotle more than Qdoba? Yes, I do. How about Moe's? I like Moe's the best. Really? Yeah. Have we talked about this in the show? I don't think so. I just like the way they greet you. I don't. And I also <laughs> don't like the name of the things you order. It's like, I'd like a Joey bag of donuts. It's like, no, just give me some nachos. I don't want to. <laughs> That's all we have time for this week. Send you good vibes. Those good vibes are all in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner show. Joey bag of donuts. The... um. 
You've never seen Fletch. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't know any of these references at Moe's because you've never seen anything. No. Yeah. So there is a scene in Fletch starring. No idea. Chevy Chase. Okay. Have you seen Goonies? No. Chevy Chase is Lampoon's Christmas Vacation as well? No? Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. So there's a scene in Fletch. And he always changes his name. People ask his name. He always impersonates different people because uh, he's a detective. And he says his name is John Cocktoston, which is Scotch Romanian. He says it's Scotch Romanian. There is a there is a meal like a burrito or a taco at Moe's called the John Cocktoston, and it's like that's that is funny to me. But I also don't like if I'm hungry for some brown rice and beans, I don't want to go. Um, yeah, I'll have three John Cocktostones. It's like just give me a burrito. <laughs> That's I I probably miss out on a lot of pop culture references, huh? Um, yeah, that is the yeah. operative point of the show today. Awesome. Uh, okay, I have to go meet with Doug. So uh, I get to go meet with Doug, I should say. Yes. Um, and Kristen, thank you for uh, a, a great job as always. And again, congratulations. We're all very proud of you. We will you. we will have a party on air for you when you actually graduate. Thank you. We will have you turn your tassel. Is that how it works? You move your tassel? Something like that. I don't know. I never graduated. All right. That's it. Stay getting money.